Hey Weston, welcome to our sermon podcast of the week. If you've been blessed with our ministry and you want to support us financially, you can do so through westonroadchurch.com forward slash give. With God's help, we're going to continue in our series, The Jesus Way. The Jesus Way. And if you were here two Sundays ago, you know, I use this phrase, like people say, well, I follow Jesus. And then the question was, okay, cool. Is it the Jesus way or is it your way? Do you follow Jesus your way or his way? And we we looked at some of that in scripture today. uh, I don't know. The title is a bit interesting. I, I was going back and forth on two options. But this is the title, and I encourage you to take notes. The title is, In the Face of Skeptics and Critics. In the Face of Skeptics and Critics. And we're going to look at Jesus' ministry. You know, when I think about how long he ministered, three years isn't a long time. I've been the pastor at Weston way longer than three years. So when I think of it, I'm like, wow, in three years, Jesus did all that he did. But what he told his disciples is, greater works shall you do. So there's a lot more work the church still has to do. We're not done because we're still here. And until we're not here any longer, we have work to do. And so we're going to look at the sort of an outline of the ministry of Jesus and it's not an easy thing to do so we're not going to touch on everything but based out of Matthew chapter 3 we're going to start there and I'm just going to highlight some things and then we're going to land on certain passages so you're going to have to use your mind and follow and the church said amen remember I said don't check your mind out at the door and be all heart. You need both activated today and let God speak through me. And I'm just his humble vessel that he's using today. Matthew chapter 3, what we see, and let me just follow in my own Bible as we go. But we'll see that John the Baptist is sent uh, ahead of Jesus. He was born just a bit before Jesus by, by probably six months or so. And his purpose was to be the forerunner. He was going to prepare the way for Jesus. So he started preaching, telling people to repent and be baptized. But he said, someone greater than me is coming. So that's the beginning. John the Baptist is preparing the way. And then uh, Jesus shows up. He's already born. But what happens first is that he is baptized in water. And John is the one who actually baptizes him. And at his baptism, we see a representation of the Trinity. Just a very quick side note. I remember in grade five or six, we were on the school bus, and I had some Jehovah's Witness friends. And, and they asked me about the, well, you know, the Trinity, you guys, and I'm like, yeah, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they're like, the, the Trinity doesn't exist. And you know, as a young guy, I was like looking and I'm like, I can't find the word Trinity. <laughs> and I remember going home. And I was like, Mom, um, where's the word Trinity in the Bible? And she's like, well, it's not there. But Trinity means the triune God. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I remember she showed me this passage. And I want to read it with you at his baptism. Verse 16 of Matthew chapter 3, it says, 
After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. And she said, You won't find the word Trinity, but you're going to see the Trinity in different places through the Bible. And here's one of those Uh, moments. Also in the very beginning in Genesis, you see that let us make man in our image. Well, who's us and our? It's the the triune God. And so at Jesus's baptism, something very important, I don't want us to miss it, happens. Obviously, there's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God descending like a dove, settling on him. But this part I want to highlight, a voice from heaven, this is from God the Father, saying, this is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Or another translation says, this is my Son whom I love, with Him I am well pleased. And I want to just take another moment to say that before Jesus did anything else, the Father was already pleased with Him. His identity wasn't obscure. His, even though his ministry didn't start. God the Father said, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm happy with you. And I just want to settle a score today with anyone who thinks you got to perform a certain way or do something to earn God's approval and love and blessing. You don't have to. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means it wasn't because we said, oh, let me do some good works and then God will love us and, you know, fix this problem of sin and separation from him. No, no, no. Instead, while we were still sinners, God said, I love you. And when Jesus, all he did was get baptized and God was saying, hey, you have my approval. And your identity today, I'm speaking to the Christians here and online, your identity is not tied in what you do, but in whose you are. And you are God's. So, you know, I'm a pastor, but yes, it's a calling, but it's also what I do. If, if I was no longer a pastor, should I lose my self-confidence and my faith in Jesus? No. Because, yes, I hold the responsibility very tightly and seriously. I hold the title very loosely. Because if God could use me as a lead pastor, he can raise someone else up. In, in the book of Judges, there were judges that were raised up at specific times for specific purposes. Now here... I don't have to earn God's love. I don't have to do another thing special. I just got to remain in that relationship with him. And he's going to say, hey, you abide in me. I abide in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We, we preached that a couple of weeks ago, John 15. And so when we look at Jesus and his baptism, it's a great reminder. Before he even healed somebody, God was saying, I'm proud of my son. And today I still believe he's saying, I'm proud of my daughter. I'm proud of my son. I'm proud when you come and you worship me without abandon. Or with abandon, excuse me. With abandon. So that's Matthew chapter 3. 
This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So now after that, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus goes into the wilderness or the desert for a season, 40 days of prayer and fasting. And he's tempted there, but he overcomes. And you know what's questioned, by the way? What's questioned by the devil while he's fasting is his identity. I don't know if you've read that in that way. I, it's not part of the message. I just want to highlight it for you. Uh, the devil tells him, during that time the devil came, this is Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, and said to him, if you are the Son of God. You see, the, the if you are, well, the Father already said, you are my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. So when God speaks, that's the word you hold on to. Not the doubt that says, well, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. In other words, do something. Perform something. You have to prove nothing to nobody. The only person whose approval you should care about is your Heavenly Father's approval. And Jesus told him, no, the Scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Therefore, I don't need these loaves of bread you're telling me to make appear. And then the next time, you know, the same thing. But I don't want to get off. You can read the rest of that chapter. But Matthew chapter 4, he's in this wilderness season. He resists the devil and he resists the temptation. And then it says angels come and minister to him. But guess what happens right after that? His ministry begins. His ministry begins. So if you're a believer today, we announced water baptism. I just want to pause again long enough to say, if you love Jesus and you received him as Lord and Savior, you've surrendered your life to him, and you're not baptized in water, I'm, I'm going to drop some bars. I'm feeling it. We won't do that. My wife's going to be like, please stop. But if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you've not gone through the waters of baptism, you're not following the Jesus way. You hear me? It's not condemnation. It's a, come on, what are you waiting for? Jesus himself went through the waters of baptism because he made the way and modeled it for us that we should follow after him. So, if you've received him as Lord and Savior, you've not been baptized in water, I expect to baptize you. We have two people signed up, but I expect, I expect you to be in the waters with me. And I'll, I'll dunk you, and don't worry, I'll pull you back up. It'll be great. But that's the Jesus way of, of living. It's like, Lord, I've received you. I'm going to follow you fully. And so his ministry begins right after so I often say this when people get baptized. I say, this is a high moment. I remember when I was baptized, I went to change in the chain. And I was like jumping. I was like, yes. I'm not exaggerating. It's like as if the Montreal Canes won the Stanley Cup again. You know, better than the Leafs perhaps. But I was like on cloud nine. But I remember I had a really rough week. Why? Well, because the enemy is not happy. When you take two steps forward... He's going to try to throw some pebbles and stones in your way. And after Jesus' baptism, look at it. He goes and he's in the wilderness and he's tempted. He, he had a rough 40 days and the Bible says he was very hungry. 
And yet he, he continued on. And so I want to encourage the church body today that in, we're going to get to this, but in the face of skeptics and critics, that it's not a time for us to lose our faith. It's not a time for us to say, oh man, I was, maybe I was wrong about Jesus. Maybe, I, maybe I'm not a Christian after all. And, and then we kind of reclude to this, you know, this cave, this hole and hide out. And, and that was a good word, in shame. Because we think, you know, what are the people going to think? I fell, I sinned, I did this, whatever. That's not what God wants for you. What he wants, when you fall, you get up. If you sin, you confess your sin. Because the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. It doesn't condemn you, but the Holy Spirit brings conviction. So that you deal with it. And then you continue with Jesus. And so his ministry begins. I have to get to that, but I, I, I keep staying here. I have to get to this ministry part. Chapter 4, he's tempted, but then right after that moment, after the 40 days he's ministered, it says the angels came, took care of Jesus, his ministry begins. And he's going about, he's preaching, He's starting to carry out the, the mission that God had for Jesus on the earth. And we see in verses 18 to 22 of chapter 4, that after he starts teaching, he actually says to four fishermen, Hey, come and follow me. Come and follow me. So Peter and Andrew, James and John... The Bible says immediately they leave their boats and their nets and they come to follow Jesus. And I love that word immediately. Immediately. He calls them and they come. And as his ministry starts, he realizes it's not about stuff, it's about people. Now, this is for you and me. Jesus, that's not what he's thinking. But for you and me, we read that. And we realize Jesus could have just stayed alone and did one-on-one -on -one ministry. If crowds showed up, he could have taught them. But instead, he invites people and he says, come follow me. And Jesus already had in mind, I need a team of people with me. I got to train them. I got to disciple them so that they can carry on the mission long before I'm gone. And long after I'm gone. And so this is the... Like, you'll see this, you'll notice this as we go on this morning. And Jesus was out and about doing the work. He, he wasn't just saying, well, yes, I'm supposed to have a ministry. And, you know, the, those 40 days were really tough. You know, I'm just going to take a break for another 40 days now because I need, whew, I need to recoup. Jesus didn't have that mentality. He was out and about doing the work. He wasn't waiting for an opportunity. He sought them out. And he called these four fishermen. But my question for the church today is, how many people have you led to Jesus? How many people have you led to Jesus? If Jesus did it, we're talking about living the Jesus way, then we should be leading people to Jesus too. Amen? 
we should be going out there. Isn't that the Great Commission? Not the suggestion. It was a commission. Go where? To church? Go out. Go out. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so a lot of times in modern day church, we think, come ye. If I could just get them to come to church and meet Pastor John or meet Nunzio or meet some of the whoever, that they could pray for them and they'll get saved perhaps. God does work like that. And I do believe in the power of an invitation. Don't get me wrong. Miracles happen here. Salvation does happen here. But the ministry for the church happens when we say amen. And we walk out the doors and we go into the world. And so that's why at the end of every service we say, though the service is over, church is not. Because we're going to be the church wherever we are. And so Jesus calls these guys... And again, are, who are we leading to Christ? There should be people in your life and in your prayer list where you're like, hey, I'm still praying for Bruno. Hey, I'm still praying for Jason. That I'm believing for salvation. Hey, I'm still praying for my spouse. I'm praying for my kids who aren't serving you today. Lord, I'm still praying for my parents who are far from you today. And there should be a, an expectation that God is going to do a great work. Because He's still the Savior. That's never changed. But you have to seek them out sometimes. You can't just be waiting for God to bring you people. you got to be on your way. And as you are on your way, God will bring other people on the way. And we call those divine appointments. And so in chapter 4, his ministry begins and he calls these four fishermen and, you know, they immediately follow him. We already said that, but I believe that there are some people who are actually ready to follow Jesus immediately. They just never received a proper introduction to Jesus. You hear that? And, and you are the one. You are the bridge. You are the catalyst. You are the hands and feet and mouthpiece of God that he wants you to go. And, and there are some people. I had a phone call this week with someone. And his marriage is on the rocks. He's not a believer. And he, you could hear it in his voice. Everything was good, good, good. We had family, Christmas, this and that. I've only spoken to this person twice. I shared this a bit on Friday night with a prayer. And, and I could hear in his voice, he's like, you know, our, our careers are good. My, I have a side business that's doing really well. I got money. Everything's going well. He goes, but what's the point? That was his tone. And he broke down and he was crying. And I was like, Jesus, thank you for the opportunity. Because I said, you know, the Bible says, said, I don't care if you believe it or not, but I do. And the Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And he was quiet. And I said, I hear, I hear what you're saying. And I feel, what it sounds like, you say, what's the point? But I think the real question is, what's your purpose? 
and you've lost purpose. You have no sight of what the purpose of your life is anymore. Kids are older, so they don't really need you like, like when they were young. They're, they're a little more independent, but you really need Jesus. Because once you connect with your Creator, you begin to discover why you were made and what your actual purpose is. And I just left that with him. And his response to me is, you know, one day I'm going to come to your church. One day I want to visit. But my point being, sometimes we have to go and make the effort and find these people. Someone told me he has a brother that lives in Montreal. And it was his brother who called and said, my brother lives near you guys. Can you reach out to him and just see what you could do? See, you know, without detail and stuff. So I said, sure, I'll make the time. Don't, don't know the guy in Montreal and I don't know his brother. But I said, Let, let's do this. And so who are the people that you are leading to Jesus? It's, you know, if I just said it from the pulpit but didn't do it myself... I wouldn't be following Jesus fully. You know, people do get saved. I lead people to Christ in a church service. But personal evangelism counts. It matters. And Jesus started his ministry that way. But here we go. We're going to follow. At the end of this little passage in chapter 4, where he calls the first disciples, I want to start reading from Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And here's a great summary of the ministry of Jesus. You ready for it? If you're ready, say amen. Yeah. Amen. Verse 23 says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee. Notice it said Jesus traveled. Jesus didn't sit and say, come listen to me. He traveled. He did the hard work of getting the word out. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news. Another word for announcing is preaching. So number one, teaching. Number two, preaching. The good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. And then verse 25. So from like one-on-one -on -one kind of ministry, now verse 25 says, Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. So... It started, you know, he's baptized, he's prayer and fasting, he's tempted, he resists, his ministry starts, he's going about, and then he invites people to follow him as his disciples, and then suddenly, as he's teaching, preaching, and miracles, signs and wonders are breaking out, and then crowds show up. So remember the title, In the Face of Skeptics and Critics, because you know, when, when the ministry is small, people don't really care about you. <laughs> I'll be honest. You know, if you start a business um, and it's a small business, no one really knows you. But if I say Kellogg, uh, you know, pick any of your favorite brands. Like, they're known. And on social media, I'm sure that they have people who love them and then people who hate them. 
right? When Jesus' ministry was on a smaller scale at the very beginning, it's kind of like, who's this guy? We heard something, blah, blah, blah. But as these signs and wonders start happening, which confirm the preaching and teaching, crowds show up. Crowds show up. Now, good things still happen. Jesus next, in Matthew 5, 6 and 7, preaches what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And we don't have time to go through it, but I do encourage you, read it. If you want to learn way more about living the Jesus way, in, in those chapters, Jesus is actually teaching them how to live. He's talking about loving your enemies. Uh, he's talking about lust and adultery and divorce and hitting all these topics, even money. In chapter 6, we referenced it a couple of weeks ago. He says, when you pray, when you fast, and when you give. These, these are all things that he's touching on um, in this Sermon on the Mount. But as he gets to the end of this sermon, we find in chapter 8 that now it starts to record the miracles that keep breaking out. So when you faithfully proclaim God's word, you do the proclamation. Obviously, you want to live out his word. You don't just want to be a talker, but then you live completely different over here, right? So you do the proclamation. You make sure that you are living in the light, but then God will do the demonstration. God backs up his word. He doesn't back up Jonathan's word. He backs up his word. That's why we preach his word at Weston. And so miracles start breaking out again. And I'm just going to go through the list. We're going we're gonna to move now. Are you ready? Okay. So we get this Sermon on the Mount. By the way, um, in chapter 7, I just wanted to highlight two verses from this Sermon on the Mount. In verse 28 and 29 of Matthew 7, it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority. He taught with real authority. That means that maybe they experienced other teaching, perhaps from the religious leaders, I don't know, but that didn't carry weight that didn't move people from where they were stuck, that didn't heal and set people free. And so it says, he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. I just want to highlight that. So there was something about Jesus and the, the ministry that he carried, anointed by the Holy Spirit to, to do the work that people were drawn to. And so Matthew 8, after this Sermon on the Mount, after the preaching, he begins ministering now to the people's needs. All who were sick, he began to heal. So in Matthew 8, we see there's a man with leprosy. His question is, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And to respond to that, Jesus reached out and touched him. You don't touch a person with leprosy. They were considered under the law unclean. So Jesus was breaking uh, rules when he reached out and touched, and this was his response, he said, I am willing, be healed. I am willing, be healed. Next, the next miracle, Matthew 8, you'll find it verses 5 to 13, there's a Roman officer whose servant is paralyzed and in pain, and Jesus says, okay, I'm going to come with you to the house. And this is what he says. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy of you coming to my house. But he said, if you just say the word, he'll be healed. 
And the man said, listen, I'm a man and, uh, of authority and I understand rank. I understand authority. I just tell my men a word and it's carried out. So he said, I know you can just speak the word and he will be healed. He recognized something in Jesus and Jesus said, wow, greater faith I have not seen. This is an amazing thing. And so there's this story with the Roman officer. Matthew 8, verses 14 to 17. It says Jesus arrives at Peter's house, one of the disciples that he called. So now he's discipling Peter. And Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. And Matthew 8, 15 says, But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. This is part of Jesus' ministry. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. And it says, that evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out evil spirits. It wasn't hard. Listen, with a simple command. And he healed all the sick. And it says, this fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. Can somebody say amen? He's still the same Jesus. And when you live the Jesus way, he will call you to lay your hands on sick people at work or at school or on, in your community, in your neighborhood. Lay your hands on them and believe that they will be healed. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Next, Jesus in Matthew 8, verse 23 to 27, calms the wind and the waves. Now, this was a nature miracle. Something they've never seen before. you got to realize that. They hadn't seen this kind of stuff, so they were in awe. And so now they're on a boat. The wind and waves are going crazy. They're afraid. And Jesus wakes up, and he says, peace, be still. He quiets the wind and the waves. And their response is this. Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who is this man? Who is this man? When you live and you're about your daily life being Jesus to this world, people should wonder, who is Margot? Who is Daniel? Who is David? That they don't, they're not like everybody else. They should see Christ in you. They might not know it's Christ. They'll, they'll just call it, you're different. Something different about you. But it's Jesus. And that's your open door, by the way. That's your opportunity, by the way. And then you say, well, let me tell you why I'm different. There's a man I met. His name is Jesus. And that's Matthew 8. Are you still with me? Shout amen. Okay. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. But in Matthew 9, it continues. Jesus heals a paralyzed man. I'm going to make sure I'm following still my Bible. Jesus heals a paralyzed man. And it's amazing, like beyond the crowds that are amazed, this is actually the first time we read that Jesus had critics now showing up, who at least were vocal about it. And I want to just highlight what happens here. In chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Jesus climbed into a boat, went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him, a paralyzed man on a mat, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. 
So this is the same story as the man who is lowered through the roof. So he doesn't address the obvious, which is this man can't walk. He's paralyzed and he's on a mat. Instead, he addresses the sin. But Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. So I want to read verse 3. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? So critics now are, are in the room. And by the way, I'm not naive. There are probably critics here today or maybe critics watching online. And I'm okay with that because I'm not here to please you. Again, I only care about my Heavenly Father and being faithful to what He's asked me to do. you got to make sure that you're faithful to do and carry out what He's asked you to do. Okay? So, I'm cool. You can, have, you can criticize the message, a preaching, something someone says. That's, that's okay. I don't claim to be perfect either. And I'm not above correction. Right? That's why we have deacons and... And we have accountability. All of that stuff is there. But hear me. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please my Heavenly Father. Jesus, that's the Jesus way. And so Jesus, this is amazing. I, I, I want to read it. So I want to note that they have criticism, but they say it to themselves. Number one, if you have something that you want to critique or give feedback on, go to the person. That's a great biblical way. You have something against someone, go to the person. Don't gossip behind their back. Don't backtalk. So look what happens. Verse 4, Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them. Like, Jesus is pretty bold. I love this about him. Why? So he didn't hear it, but he knew, he knew what they were thinking. So why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Notice it's not just what they see with their eyes and think with their mind, but it's tied to the heart. The spirit of a critic is actually rooted in the heart. And and the heart is the heart of the issue. So he says, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. How is he going to do it? It says, well, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And he does. And this is the response in verse 8. Fear swept through the crowd. And that fear, by the way, is not a bad fear like, oh, I'm scared now of Jesus. It was an awe, A-W-E, awe. Wow. Wow. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen. And they praised God for giving humans such authority. Isn't that amazing? God gets glory. God gets glory. Listen, you never need to apologize for a miracle. You never need to apologize for seeing someone saved. You know, people might not understand what happens. That's okay. You can try to explain if someone wants to hear why. We do what we do. And... You don't have to apologize. I will also say, especially if you're at work or outside the walls of this church, and you want to pray for someone, you should ask for their permission. You should say, hey, I, I heard what you said. You know, you're sick or whatever. Can I pray for you? Is that okay? If they say no, 
don't be rebellious and say, in the name of Jesus anyways, I'm going to pray for you. Like, honor them. But you can still pray in secret and let God do what only he can do. And so now Jesus, you know, in his meetings, in his services, where he's preaching, teaching, but also performing miracles, now there's some people there go, nah, I don't know about this guy. I don't like his style, maybe. It's, I don't like, maybe some of us have felt like that. I don't know. But I want to move on. So what is the next step? What does Jesus do? Because, you know, if it was me in the flesh, maybe now I'd be like, oh, critics are around. Like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I should, like, tone things down a bit. Maybe, you know, I shouldn't be so dramatic. Like, I, I don't know how those services look like, but... Someone is lowered through the roof, you know, and your sins are forgiven. You know, in the middle of a sermon, you know, I'm sure people notice that. So what do you do? Do you shrink back and kind of scale things down? Or do you continue on the mission? And so let's look at the very next thing that happens in Scripture in Matthew 9, the very next part of this chapter, Jesus calls Matthew a tax collector. And tax collectors weren't good guys, by the way. No one liked them because usually they were crooks and they would take more than necessary. And, and that was the stigma of a tax collector in the day. And so Jesus calling Matthew as a disciple, or Levi as he's also known, is not necessarily a good look for Jesus. If you're trying to build the A-team, if you know what I mean, it's not a guy you'd want on you. People are going to check his Instagram and be like, Matthew? He's a tax collector. Why in the world? What, does Jesus not know who he's picking to be on his team? Right? But Jesus knows full well what he's doing. And the Bible says Matthew actually invites Jesus and the other disciples for dinner. And it says that at this dinner, there were many tax collectors that showed up. And not only that, but the Bible also says that there were notorious sinners who showed up at this dinner. And guess what? The skeptics and the critics, we find them again. Because now they're on to Jesus. And so check what they say. But the Pharisees saw this. And my Bible says uh, tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. I love it. Verse 11 says, But when the Pharisees now saw this, they asked his disciples. Who did they ask? Did they go to Jesus and say, Hey, why are you here? Again, they're, they're, they're beating around the bush, which tells me they're cowards. They have a lot of opinions, but they're... they're <laughs> They're not strong enough. They don't have a backbone enough to go and actually ask Jesus. So it says, it says, the Pharisees saw this. They asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? And now Jesus has another opportunity. Again, he wasn't asked, but he's going to answer. Verse 12, when Jesus heard this, he said, take note, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. He's putting them in their place, but with tact and with a reason. He's not just blowing steam back at them. He's basically telling them, listen, 
Healthy people, they don't need a doctor. Sick people are the ones that do. They would have surely agreed. Verse 13, then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The ministry of Jesus continues in the face of critics and skeptics. He doesn't shrink back. He doesn't cower down. He doesn't, you know, scale back the ministry. No, he said, in three years, I got to do everything my father wants me to do. So I'm going to do it. You know, I just want to pause for a second. Some of us, um, we have friends who are non-Christians, and we should. But here's where I want us to begin to draw a line. If they're inviting you to parties and you're all at the bar drinking shots and let's do another round and you keep doing rounds, keep doing rounds. You know, Jesus didn't go to that party to hang out with the sinners because he thought, I'm going to have a good time. He showed up there. I'm sure he didn't talk like them. I'm sure he didn't act like them. But he was there to influence them. Another great example, I believe it's Luke 19, Zacchaeus. Another notorious tax collector, crooked man. But Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today. And his life was changed. There's the proof. The fruit is evident. But if the fruit of you doing life with unbelievers is that you are becoming more like the world and less like Jesus and living less like the Jesus way, we got to be careful. And we got to let the Holy Spirit help us know where that line needs to be. I'm not saying you can't attend a party and have a drink. But if you are doing everything like the world, you are in the world. Now here's the thing. We are in the world, but not of the world. So if we're doing that, we're becoming like the world in that sense. So um, just we need to make sure when we say the Jesus way... Again, it's not my way of following Jesus. It's his way that informs how I'm supposed to follow him. How I'm supposed to live righteously in a sinful world. And it looks very different than how the world lives. So this is what Jesus does. He's with, Le with Matthew, Levi. And uh, they're at this party. But again, we read it. Something happens and we hear the voice of the critics. This time it's the Pharisees. So my question again is, well, what does Jesus do next? Does he say, oh, I'm not going to go there then because, you know, they're offended. I'm not going to go. Um, but he says to them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. There's another few miracles, and then we're going to land the plane this morning. And at the end of this message, I'm going to do two things. One, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior... I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive him as such. And then number two, if you're sick in your body, now that we've been preaching the word, we've declared his word through singing in the beginning, but if you're sick in your body, we want to pray over you before you leave today so that you don't leave the same way you came in. And I believe that sickness will be healed in Jesus' name. Every time Jesus was around, sick people came, he healed them. So a few more miracles, and then we're going to land the plane. And it says, uh, the next miracle, 
Jesus heals two blind men. And in verse 33 of chapter 9, it says, The crowds were amazed, and they said, Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel. They exclaimed, But something happened again. Hold on. E-break. Chapter 9, verse 34. But the Pharisees. You notice it always says, but the Pharisees, but the Pharisees, but the teachers of religious law. Again, verse 34. But the Pharisees said, he can cast out demons because he's empowered by the prince of demons. So we're not going to unpack that too much. But clearly, they're delusional. <laughs> and, and Jesus in another gospel says, how can Satan cast out Satan? Right? So, but the Pharisees are there, the skeptics, the critics. They're, they're looking at his ministry with signs, miracle signs and wonders. And they're there to find fault. And I want to, if you get nothing else, if you've been lost on this whole journey through these few chapters... We're going to come right back to this same thing. The same way we started is the same way this portion of Scripture ends. And here's what it says in verse 35. We read it almost verbatim. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area. Again, Jesus was doing the work. Jesus traveled. And it says... Teaching in the synagogues, and again, announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Did you catch that? We literally read this in Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 to 25. Almost verbatim. The way his ministry began before critics showed up, preaching Teaching, healing. Crowds now show up. Preaching, teaching, healing. Critics show up. Preaching, teaching, and healing. I'm going to ask if Rachel and Natalie would come and get ready. Just to play quietly in the background. Hear me for a second. And I believe this is a prophetic word for people here today. I don't say this lightly, but I felt this very strong in my spirit. That there are people here today, whether you're in the room or you're watching online. You've been on fire for God, but stuff has happened. Maybe it's someone said something to you, it turned you completely off. And it wasn't even a pastor. Maybe it was just someone in church and you're like, forget that. And you've had this root of bitterness inside of you. And as a result, you've been sitting on the sidelines and you're warming a pew bench. And that's all you've been good for. Because that's all you've allowed yourself to do. Hear me for a second. When the critics showed up, we're talking about living the Jesus way. In the face of skeptics and critics, you don't back down. You don't scale back. Instead, you continue being faithful to carry out the mission that God has given you to do. I want to tell you a quick story, and then we're going to pray. And I'm going to give those of you who've never received Christ an opportunity to receive Him, and then we're going to pray for sick people. But when I became the pastor at Weston, I was already on staff. 
And I was doing worship and young adults. I was very content. And then there was some transition with leadership. And the board said, well, we want you to lead the church. And I just looked at my wife and I said, I give it three weeks before this whole thing goes down. Because I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to lead a church. I don't know how to preach to a congregation every Sunday. I've never done it before. And we had lunch with a pastor. He's come here a few times in the past. And he he sat down and in a very casual way, he'd been in ministry a very long time. And you know what he said to me? He said, you can't meet everyone's expectations. He said, you have to grow thick skin. And I'm, I'm speaking this now for you in the room. You need to grow thicker skin because you cannot please people. You, you, you will always fail to meet everyone's expectations. You will always fail to meet everyone's expectations. He said, and, and we were eating, so he, he went like this to the plate in front of us, and he said, all you have to do is make sure that you faithfully carry out what God has asked you to do. Anything else is on the people who have that expectation. And it took me years to begin to understand the wisdom in what he shared. But as a 42-year-old now, I can say, maybe I'm not 100% there perhaps, but I'm okay with not meeting everyone's expectations of what they think I should do as a pastor. What I care most about is pleasing my heavenly father. You are my son in whom I love and in whom I am well pleased. I want to flip that story around to you in the room today. Maybe you've just been content showing up to church and not doing much else. But I'm telling you, you're cutting yourself short of the full blessing of serving the Lord and being invested in his kingdom. You want the proof? I just want to read one more verse. A few right after this, when Jesus is teaching, preaching, and then performing these miracles, the very next verse, 36, says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And this is what he said to his disciples, and I believe he's saying it to his church again today. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. My friend, the harvest is not the issue. This is what we prayed for Friday night. It's not a harvest problem. It's a heart problem for people who are not living life the Jesus way. As you can't be a Christian and not serve in the kingdom. If you're a Christian, you serve. And Jesus himself, I read this to our dream team before service today. Jesus said, you know, we're not like the world where the leaders lord it over their people. They're heavy-handed. They, they lead with an iron fist. He said, uh, as for you, it will be different. He said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so today, I don't know 
You know, in I look at the two verses of Jesus, Matthew 4 and the one we just read, Matthew 9, about him preaching, teaching, and healing. Those are like the bookends. And in between, we see the critics show up, we see the crowds show up, but nothing changes for Jesus. And my prayer for you today is that you would follow Jesus in this way. If someone says something and it pierces your heart, we got to deal with it. And, and there's healing there. There has to be reconciliation. We can't just walk all around wounded. No, allow God to help us to deal with that. But don't let it allow you to pull yourself back and crawl into a hole where, where you stop doing what God has asked you to do. Do you hear what I'm saying today? Be faithful to carry out the task that He has put on your life, the mandate that is on your life as a believer. We can't escape it can't escape it. If I wasn't a pastor, you bet I'd be serving in the church. I've done it my whole life. Why? Because my mother instilled it in me that you go to church. I was 14 years old taking the city bus to church in a snowstorm because I was scheduled to play drums. And I said, this is what I have to do. I'm going to go to church. And my, even my parents sometimes say, yeah, but it's a snow. I go, nope. I don't care if there's 50 people in the church. I'm going to still come and serve the Lord. It's my joy. It's my joy to serve the Lord. It should be your joy to serve the Lord, friend. He gave his best. And all he's asking of us is to give our best. With your time, talent, and treasure. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. I pray you feel the weight of the message today. You know, next week, next week we're going to invite Pastor Sum and Leanna up and our core team. We're going to make our official announcement for the North. We're going to pray over them because on February 11th, we're going to start service in one church two locations and guess what we're going to need people more people in the north and more people here every pastor i've talked to said pastor if you're starting a second location you should feel the stretch and the pull it shouldn't be so easy that he goes if it's too easy you're not doing it right and so there is room for you at weston there's room for you to serve the Lord and His kingdom here at Weston. And God works in us so that He can work through us. But listen, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I told you I'd give you an opportunity. And this is a moment between you and your Creator. The Bible says that everyone one day has an appointment with death. And that's a hard pill to swallow for some people. But hear me for a second. Jesus came that you might have life. It includes life here, but especially if this was your last day and you, no one knows when their last day will be. But he'll give us life for all eternity. And as long as I have breath, I'm going to serve the Lord with all that I have. And then when this life passes, guess what? To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And I'm going to enjoy all the blessings of heaven. 
But guess what? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That means you have to know Jesus in an intimate way, in a relational way. Not just check the religious box, I went to church today. That's not the Jesus way. Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It wasn't come and follow me and that's all you got to do. It's, there's a work to do after that. But if you're here and you don't follow Jesus, you don't know him, this is your opportunity. And I'm going to simply say this. I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to ask you, if you don't know Jesus, make the choice today. When I count to three, I'm just going to say, put your hand up. And I want to lead you to at least decide yes or no. And that's all I'm here to do, to encourage you. And Jesus went through great lengths. We don't have enough time to preach about the cross. That's going to come through the drama and through Easter. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us to reconcile us back to God. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to count to three. It's not hype. I'm just going to count. And if you mean business with him today and you want to receive him as Lord, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up and then I'll ask you to put it down on the count of three. One two, three. Let me see your hand today. Is there anyone? Just going to wait for a second. Is there anyone here? I see that hand. Is there anyone else today? I see that hand. You could put them down. Anyone else? Just a few more seconds. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're watching online. You could put a hands up emoji. Just let us know in the comments. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer. The Bible says when you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe in your heart God raised them from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Not the same. And the Bible says when this happens, that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and you won't be the same again. You know, we sang it, I don't want to leave the same. Well, you won't be the same again when you pray because the Bible says the old things, they pass, and all things become new. It's like you have a brand new slate. And so I'm going to pray with those who raised their hands, but I'm going to invite the church to pray. Those watching online, pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am, but I thank you I'm going to leave different. I repent of my sin. And I turn to follow you, Jesus. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus, you are Lord. And I believe in my heart that God, you raised him from the dead. And so as I give you my life today, I receive you by faith as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you that the old life is dead and gone but you've raised me to new life today and everything is made new. Thank you that I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, shout amen. Amen, amen. and amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer, we, we need to follow up with you. It's not a question. So we would ask if you haven't... Um, 
if you've prayed this for the first time, fill out the black connect card and there's a box that I'd like you to check off that says, I've decided to follow Jesus today. And if you're watching online, you could do that through um, the video description below. There's the digital connect card. But listen, it's important that you find a church that you can call home. Okay, if you don't have a place that you find that you can call home as a church, find a Bible-believing church. But if you don't, I want to say, well, Weston's a great church. One of the great ones in Toronto. And I want to say, welcome home. You're welcome back anytime in Jesus' name. Last thing, I promised that we would pray for those who are believing for healing. So here's what I'm going to do. I want to close the service. I want to pray over the church. But here's what I want to ask. We have time for fellowship, but it's not going to happen in here. You hear me? Yeah, can I have the church say amen? It's not going to happen here. It's going to happen in the foyer so that we can have a time of ministry here. So if you're going to go for fellowship or you need to leave, please go quietly and quickly out the doors. But if you want prayer, we're going to stay as long as we need to. And we're going to pray over you, especially if you're believing for healing. That's the anointing that I feel is in the room. That if you need healing, physical healing, emotional, mental, whatever that healing looks like, I believe as we've preached Jesus today, that He, the healer, is in the room. Amen. Let me close us in prayer. I'll dismiss those of you who want to go, if you want to stay here and worship, Natalie uh, and Rachel will, will lead us in a time. But uh, I want us to honor what the Lord is going to do here. And that's my ask of our church. So, Father, I thank you today for the word. Lord, I thank you for Jesus' example of how we can deal with skeptics and critics Lord, even when they talk behind our back, Lord, I thank you that there was a way that Jesus carried himself where he spoke the truth in love. Lord, his speech was seasoned with grace. But God, the most important thing is that he never withdrew from the ministry that you had for him. And so, Lord, I thank you for Jesus' example. And God, I pray that you would put such a fire in us, a conviction, God, to reach people that, Lord, we're no longer satisfied by just showing up to church and thinking that's the extent of my Christian life. And so, God, I thank you for Weston. I thank you, Lord, that our vision is big. Lord, it's for the city because, Jesus, you said that you are the light of the world, not just of a church in a building with four walls, but the light of the world. And you said that light was put inside of us. So, Lord, we are a church on mission. And, God, I pray that we would take it seriously. God, we want to honor you in how we preach, but especially how we live it out. And then, Lord, we want to see you back up your word with signs and wonders. And so even as we go, Lord, use us as your hands and your feet and your mouthpiece. And, Lord, even for those who are going to come to receive prayer now, Lord, I ask that there would be miracles, signs, and wonders, that you would receive all of the glory because it's yours today, Lord, and forevermore in Jesus' name. Amen. And that wraps up our sermon podcast for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to give us a follow for we'll be posting every single week.